One of the things um, we do here at the church with our finances is we give a minimum of 10% of all the tithes and offerings that come in to missions of some uh, way, shape, or form. And as a result, we uh, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth remembering. We have six missionaries we support in Cuba. Uh, they're three married couples, and they all pastor different churches. And it's amazing. You can, you can support a missionary couple in Cuba at a, at a pretty high level for just $100 a month, if you can imagine that. Just the cost of living is so different. And we, um, we support orphanages in Haiti. We have missionaries, particularly Jim Hill, who um, has a Bible school that he started in a major mission in Argentina. And we support uh, missionaries and people that are at work in Israel who give aid to both um, the Israelis and Palestinians. And um, recently, uh, we've begun to support uh, Cameron and Susie. And uh, they'll, they'll tell you in a minute some of the amazing things God has enabled them to do. And I was, I was online this morning earlier looking up uh, Cameron's from Iran. And um, he had a, a major encounter with the Lord. He may tell us some about that this morning. Absolutely changed his life. But when I was looking up about what's going on in Cameron's nation, I read this, that more Iranians have become Christians in the last 20 years than in the previous 13 centuries put together since Islam came to Iran. So Islam is not native to the area. It's an imposition many centuries old now. Um, In 1979, there were estimated 500 Christians from a Muslim background in Iran. Today, there are, I've heard reports of hundreds of thousands, some say more than a million, and another thing I read this morning was three million. And so God's doing some amazing things, and so we support Cameron and and Susie uh, and their, their ministry to Iran. So why don't we do this? John, Mark, and I want to welcome Cameron and Susie this morning. We're going to interview them. We're going to find out who they are and what they do. So let's stand up and welcome the Uriahs this morning. So, uh, Cameron and Susie have been friends of mine for a long time, um, a long time, long time, and um, I, I love I love them a lot. They're some of my all time favorite people, and um, I I really love what's what the Lord's doing with them in this season. And I had um, it was a it's a couple of months back. I was here. Um, working on some music or something and um, trying to find a place to not be around people, you know. And I was here sitting on the subs here. And I just thought about Cameron and Susie um, and what they were doing, and I just started to... I just kind of envisioned them being here and talking to us. Um, 
because number one is I think that um, uh, it's really important, um, first of all, for us to get a different idea of what's happening outside of the United States. Um, you know, the news, I mean, you know, the news is run by advertisers, so in a lot of ways they only tell you one side of the story, the side that makes you want to buy things and makes you afraid. And I mean, it's true. Um, and, and, and there's so much more happening in the world than we know. And, and, and Cameron and Susie have a really unique perspective on some things. And I really want them to, to speak on that. But also, God is doing something so cool and so exciting with these two. I want to figure out ways to get you guys to give them money on a regular basis. Like to, to support what they do. And I'm gonna, we're gonna, Sarah and I are gonna give them money too, so I'm not asking. I'm, I'm just, I'm being a little over the top, but for real, I'm so excited about what they're doing. I really just was sitting here dreaming about how we could help them. I thought, you know what? I'll just have them come in and talk about what they're doing. So I hope that's okay with you guys. No pressure. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to give to. You give to the church. You give to the big give. I mean, there's, there's no limit to ways you can use your money for the kingdom. You know, so, you know, we realize there's an economy to it, you know, but, but this is something that's really important to me. And I think it's really close to the Lord. And I think that, um, I think that you guys would be really interested in what they're doing. It could be something real exciting to support. So I know we usually talk about that at the end. I'll just be honest with you. I just love what they're doing. And I think it's really important. So we're going to, we're going to ask some questions. Uh, to Susie and Cameron. Um, you know, they have so much to say and so much to share. I don't know that we're going to get to all of it in the short period of time. I know we're not going to get to all of it in the short period of time. So I've got a few questions that I've um, had that I, I wanted to ask them, but also I want to leave it open to you guys. If you're just feeling whatever you're feeling, feel free to share. You know, so don't feel locked into whatever path we're on with, you know, the questions, <laughs> you know, but anyway, so you guys ready to get going? Yeah. Jump in. So, um, I met Susie first right over here, about a block away, probably. You were 17, maybe? 16? Yeah, no, 17. Okay. I was 17 or 18. Okay. Yeah, so it says like five years ago. <laughs> five or maybe six, yeah. <laughs> but Susie has always been, um, uh, just such an inspiration to me and her passion and her willingness to go all the way and to give it all and her joy has always been super inspiring to me. Now, I was there the first night she met Cameron as well. I remember I was in the green room. <laughs> I was in the green room at this conference. So I also met Cameron uh, a block away. This is probably like three years ago. Same building. Yeah, same. And uh, I, I remember seeing Cameron on the screen. Uh, speaking uh, about his testimony, I saw the way the, he captivated the whole room, including Susie. <laughs> in, a, in a unique way. <laughs> More ways than yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so these people have been super special, and, you know, and, and maybe you, ha- you, you know, some of you know them, some of you don't, but their influence has been, uh, They've had a big influence on this church specifically, on the worship of this church. And even in the beginning, you know, with my dad and the vision and all about the pick up the guitar and the, all that. You know, we could go through all that, but that's not, 
That's not what we're here for. But anyway, I just, I'm just real excited to have him. I don't want to spend too much time talking. I want to give it to him. So where shall we begin? <laughs> um, I just want to thank yeah. Robin um, because he was my first pastor. I was saved at that church. I got saved over there 20, uh, a little over 20 years ago. And Rick Joyner was like a spiritual father, but Robin was my first pastor. And he helped me so much because I was like always asking him the dumbest questions. He was so patient. You really were. I still remember almost every question I asked him and every answer. He probably doesn't, but he helped me so much learning how to talk to people and be open to every single personality and every, whether you might just just found out about God or you didn't know about God or you knew God for years. He always helped me with people. I didn't know how to do anything like that. I was, wasn't raised. I was raised in a family that was more, um, not loving. And I didn't know anything about relationship and he really helped me. So I have tons of stories, but that's a whole nother day. Robin stories. But anyway, I just wanted to thank and honor Robin today for, um, shape, helping to shape my life. And, um, and John Mark now has become one of my biggest inspirations. If I'm trying to write a poem, which I don't strive too much at all, but if I want to really get inspired, all I have to do is like read one of his lyrics or I'll text him and say, can you send me a poem? (laughs) Then I read his and I'll write like 10. (laughs) Just, that's just the way it is. So. Yeah, thank you both. We love you so much. And of course, all your grandchildren, children, the growing awesomeness of it. Thank you. So yeah, here we are. All right. Let's, uh, let's start here because I met Susie first because you're directly to my left here. Let's, um, can you, where, where are you from originally? From Texas. From Texas. Born into a family of drugs and alcohol and did that for 18 years. Went to a, tre- uh, went to a treatment center. And then found the Lord and uh, followed some friends to Morningstar and never oh, became a p- professional singer in Nashville, working with well-known performing artists like Reba McIntyre. Why known? This is a long time ago. Most of you probably don't know who these people are. Um, <laughs> Reba McIntyre, Winona Judd, Brooks and Dunn, Alan Jackson, just a lot, many, many, many more. And then uh, I met the Lord and followed somebody here in my car and never went back. I was in with when I was with Reba. I was, I was deciding that I probably should get cleaned up, and she was trying to help me get a record deal. And her hairdresser knew knew Jesus. I I did not know who who Jesus was, and her her face was always shining. And since she was a makeup artist, I thought she had like really good makeup. So I asked her <laughs> what kind of makeup she was wearing, and she was like, um, not really wearing. I, she goes, I think you might be seeing Jesus, and I was like, who? I was ready to buy that makeup, you know. Well, see what happened? And it was free. That stuff is expensive. So, um, yeah, so she was the first one. I had a little experience. I, I was really saved by Holy Spirit encounters. I know a lot of, many people aren't, but that is what happened to me. And I had an encounter that day. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to get sober. I'm going to get straightened out my life. And Reba was so kind, she knew I had a problem. She, she loved me, and I, I never let it mess with my work, you know. And uh, my father was like that. He was an alcoholic who, had, who kept a good job and took good care of us. And so um, I, I called her. I, drank, I thought, well, I better just get drunk one more time. <laughs> Sorry. And I drank <laughs> two bottles of vodka or something. I mean, I drank a lot and uh, did some other drugs, I'm sure, and... Um, 
then I started crying out to the Lord. I was by myself and I said the same thing my husband said. If you're real, I'm ready. And um, then I heard a voice say, quit your job. Well, you know, heard a voice is when you're drunk. So, <laughs> and of course I didn't know you heard God. I mean, many people don't, many people don't realize that. And so I called Reba right away, which was the first miracle. And I said, I'm really drunk and I heard a voice. And she was like, okay. And long story short, I, she was the one because she said, you know, what if it's really a message for you? What if you need to move on? I think we should listen. And I was like, I can't quit. Oh my gosh. I just bought my first little house. It was so cute. And I was going to be a big star. I was going to be way bigger than her. I mean, I don't know. And I told her that. And she agreed. She agreed. And so, um, so I did quit. Long story. And I went to a treatment center. I got really, I got, went to a great Christian treatment center, got straight, started going hard after the Lord. And two months later, her airplane crashed and the whole band died. And, uh, I was supposed to be on that plane basically. And, um, they all, they all died instantly. The plane crashed into the side of a mountain. It was a pilot error. And so I left everything after that and came here, met Robin. <laughs> wow. Um, so Cameron, can you tell us about where you're from and how you came to the Lord? Yes, I'm from Alabama. No. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell from my accent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I never heard it. <laughs> I'm from Iran. I'm old people here say Iran. And yeah, my name is Comron. Here they call me Cameron. <laughs> but anyway, everything changed, you know. Tell yeah. them your whole name. Yeah, it's Comron Yara Shamir Zadi. I don't That's blame you for calling right me there. Cameron, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm from Iran. People say Iran. I say, sure. <laughs> Go to Starbucks. How do we spell your name? I said, do as you wish. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but I heard all version of my name. But yeah, I'm from Iran, and I was born in a Muslim family. And it wasn't my, like she said, it wasn't really my fault, I promise you. But I was just born there. I always say God wanted me there, and I was there on time, you know. I don't know, one time we have to say, why did you put me there? But he did it. But yeah, I was born in Iran, and since I was 12, I had this agony of knowing, getting to know God. Like Susie said, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his name, especially his English name, Jesus, you know, and which is not his real name. He's, you know, he's the son of God. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> just don't go there. Don't go there. We just, let's, just, let's just keep going. And from a very s- small city, you know, we didn't have Internet. We didn't have satellite. Channel 1, Channel 2, Islamic Channel. Propaganda. Yeah, you know, they, they really, I, I just heard that the Bible was corrupted, and I started to study and buy some religious book. And by the time I got uh, 30 years old, I was so uh, sick and tired of really waiting for this God since I was 12. And I ran away. I went to Cyprus, and I met Jesus in Cyprus. I didn't know he's there, but he's there for some reason. And... Through a miraculous event, I just came to the United States, and three years after I met Jesus, he appeared into my room. I got saved here in Atlanta, and January 21st, I got saved, and I met our Lord Jesus. Yeah. I've been waiting for him for so long. Wow. One, one of the amazing things is when, when Cameron from Iran says hey, Good that one. Uh, Jesus appeared to him. Mm. There have been many, 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 many 
just multiplied reports of Jesus appearing to Muslim people in other nations, and that's how they have their original encounter. They don't always know who he is, yeah, they don't know. But, but eventually they discover that that person of love that did appear to them, that gave them some instruction or direction or encouragement, really was mm-hmm. uh, the Christ. So that's, that's, that's something that's been going on in uh, Muslim nations. Especially now in this season. And I think you actually told me one time, after you met Jesus, it still took you a number of years mm. before you... Yeah, because he appeared into yeah. my room. I wasn't expecting to see him. You know, I wasn't even, you know. And he appeared and the ceiling expanded and he looked at me and he said, I will help you to go to United States. For, uh, because as a Persian, it's really hard to get visa to come to this country. It was then and it's even harder Yeah, now. even harder now. And well, I said, okay. And, but he did not say who he was. I knew it's Jesus Christ the one like like a prophet jesus but he didn't say i'm the son of god you know you should worship me and then i will help you he didn't say it he said i will help you to go to us and i saw him as a prophet and in my heart i called him a prophet and he had no problem being called a prophet and three years after that I had three more encounters in the United States through the love of people like you guys. Through the love of people. Really? Because Christians started to approach me and started loving me and they were smiling. And I said, why are they always smiling? It was really agitating. Like, stop smiling. It's because he was so angry at the God yeah. that, he, that could not show and him I could love. Never, and I, then I, he could I, not have a relationship with. Then I said, maybe they're American. Maybe they have money. I didn't know. I just came here for three years. I said, maybe... Because they're from West and they have everything they want. That's why they are happy. But then what really touched me, they asked me a question and they looked me in the eyes. And they were really cons- like, how are you doing? Where are you from? And I'm like, why are you interested in me? I'm from Iran. You're supposed to hate me. And I, could, I couldn't solve that in my head. They smile. I thought you guys are wealthy. But then, <laughs> then like, why are you interested in me? Because you know I'm from Iran and I'm Muslim. Why you're interested in me. And that was mesmerizing. And that really. And then I got invited to church through, through you guys. And the moment I walked into a church, I had so much peace. I said, wow, why there is so much peace here? We didn't have it in the mosque. What is this peace? Second time I got invited, I said, yeah, I want to go. Not for preaching because I, my English wasn't that good for the peace. Third time I remember when I got invited, I said to my heart, if you guys didn't invite me, I want to go. There is something there I'm addicted. Peace. But it was through you guys. I love, I love so much about that story, but one thing I love is how it was such a journey. You know, I think we, we tend to think that the kingdom happens a very specific way. You know? And I, th- I think sometimes um, because of uh, our culture and the way we do things, we sort of want to close the deal and there's and, and a lot of times I think we don't give people the opportunity to take the journey and make their own yeah. sort of decision, you know. Um, and and so I love that. I love how it was a process for you. And, for countries where there's a lot of control through some type of religion, <clears throat> you really have to be patient and do some research, you know, because the uh, especially America, we we just have so much, and our mindsets are completely different, almost backwards from especially the Middle East, you got to just like watch, 
listen, really listen to them and really watch and pay attention to what they're saying, how they move. Their culture is extremely strong. And even when they, the church in Iran is new and everyone's almost all under 35. And uh, the 75% of the population in the Middle East, 60 to 75% is 35 and under from continuation of wars and whatnot. And they're ready. They're not going to have any control. But they don't have anything to fall back on. When the Arab Spring started and all those kids started doing all that stuff and meeting, and they, they didn't have anything to fall back on. So the Muslim Brotherhood will come in or another dictator. So we believe that now is the time where the Holy Spirit's going to move through the youth from Iran into the Arab Spring. But they, they are really different than us. And so we have to take the time. Some of them do come to the Lord immediately, but it's not the norm. It takes time and relationship, a lot of food. <laughs> they love feeding you and they love being fed and they like to talk. They love being blessed. Um, it's, it's not good to scare them with the tongues and things like that. They love to be prayed for. They love you to bless their children, but they definitely will bring their culture to into their Christianity at first. So you got to really be patient and learn how to help them understand the kingdom culture. So, you know, it's not hard at all, but patience, real, really patience and relation. Of course, it's all relationship. And when, when they find out there, there is, there is, cause they all know Jesus was a prophet, but the son of God is really hard cause God is too holy to do that. When they find out they can have a relationship and there's love involved, they don't have a concept for worship. They don't have a concept for love. They have no concept for joy. So, you know, their mindset is, in, it's really tough. You know, everything's illegal. Dancing, singing, they bury their instruments in the dirt and they go dig them up and stuff. And at four in the morning in the fields and they sing their songs and then they get arrested and never even be seen again. They don't care. And, you know, the church is growing because that's how it grows and so fascinating. But when they find out they can hear God and have a relationship, it's incredible. It, Cameron, was so freaked out when he found out people when, hear God. Oh, he was so excited. Yeah. And when people you know. they told me Christian when I went to start to go to church, I wasn't even saved. They told me that you know there are people that they can hear from God. I said, stop, stop. Really, I literally because by this time I'm 33 years old and I was in agony since I was 12. I wanted to become God's friend, but I never could imagine God would talk to a human being. I said, stop, stop. You're saying there are people here in the United States, they can hear God? I said, yes. I said, please, I beg you, tell me. I mean, take me there. It was like, in my heart, for me, it's like I won the lottery jackpot in that very moment. Really, because I, I was 12 when I was waiting for, and I'm 33. Someone tells me this. It was huge for me. Like, bigger than anything I could ever imagine. God would talk to so me. So being friends with God is the jackpot. It's the biggest jackpot because the Muslims, you know, they are from Abraham and most of them. And they want to become a friend of God. Like Susie said, you know, Jesus said, I love everybody. Everybody loves me. It's it's in the heart of every single person. They want God and they want to be his friend. If it's a Buddhist or it's a Muslim, they really want that. And when they meet the real God, it's, it's the biggest jackpot of 
all time. One other thing, what Robin said earlier was so good that they have a, they get visitations. They have a lot of dreams too from childhood. Many of them have been waiting and sitting on these dreams for years about Jesus, and so we need they need people to tell them, and um, that's really exciting to be ready. And so the you know when something is tr- being stopped, I'm not political political at all. Sorry to say. But um, that means something's going to happen. Like, there's going to be an influx of Muslims here, um, most of them harmless, no matter what you hear on the news. Yeah, and um, one, one most thing, of them harmless, yeah, let me, let not me all. Let <laughs> me say in that regard, Susie, one of the things I was reading was um, a huge percentage of Muslim people are deeply offended at the whole radical Muslim mm, many. Um, uh, violence and have rejected... One of the reasons mm-hmm. many people are coming to Christ is because they rejected right. all of that stuff that's being so well promoted through the nation. And we need to see that they're, they're legitimate refugees that could really enhance and bless and be meaningful in our nation. And so we really, I don't know how to answer all that politically, and that's not re- what we're all about. But we certainly can pray into mm-hmm. how all that plays out in our country. I mean, we need to be safe, but um, America was basically, except for Native Americans, uh, and I'm, I'm, my culture, I come from another nation. I mean, we were all refugees unless you're a Native American, and, and the truth is they came from Tibet. That's what I've understood. But anyway, what I'm saying is we, we need to have a, an, a proper appreciation for all of that and really pray into our, our government and our nation that they'll have wisdom in how they handle all of that. Yeah, it's so good. There's a great, there's a really great temptation to take a posture of fear, you know. And no matter what you think about the political spectrum, as a believer, your posture is always to be a posture of faith. And when you see people different than you, your 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 idea is not to first see a threat. Your idea is to see an opportunity. And I think that's one reason this conversation is so important to me is because I think Cameron and Susie can tell you not how people different from you uh, shouldn't be viewed as a threat or an enemy or, a, um, or something to fear, but as an opportunity because they're seeing the fruit. Yeah. They're seeing the fruit right now. They're seeing the fruit. Awesome. You know, and um, uh, with that said, Cameron, can you tell us a little bit about your, the, the way you're reaching people in Iran and through your television and yeah, and how many people you're reaching. Yeah, let me just give you kind of like a quick understanding. What you said in the beginning was so correct. See, 1978, about less than 40 years ago, I was 11 years old. And the revolution happened in Iran for the younger one that you were not even alive those With days. Iraq. This is just only 40 years ago, right? Revolution happened. The Shah of Iran, the king of Iran, we didn't have... Uh, uh, president, there was a king of Iran that was a very close friend of America and Israel. This is 40 years ago, right? And he was overthrown by Islamic regime, and the Islamic regime came. And the population of Christianity, not from a Muslim background, they were Armenian. They were, you know, 100,000 people. They were like generation and generation, they were Christian. But now, let's pause it. After 40 years, it's about 3 million. From 100,000. Probably more, but we're not sure. More than 3 million. See how, how the Lord works in one generation? 
You know, a church is literally being birthed in Iran for the first time in the last 2,000 years. You know, the church was birthed in, you know, in Israel, you know, in that area because of Jesus and apostle and disciple. That never happened in Iran. It's for the first time is literally is happening. And the Lord is giving us the honor of reaching the masses. Sometimes they said like seven to eight million people. They watch the program, and we have a program called, I have a program called Lessons in Love, Darse Ishq. She has a program called Lessons in Worship, Darse Parastish. And the way that we talk, or whatever that comes out of us, it's not just the word, it's the spirit that comes out. It's the tear that we shed, or, or, or you know, you're, the smell of the Lord that comes out, and we just share, you know, and thousands of people meet Jesus every month, you know, and... It's amazing what the Lord is doing. You know, again, it's like, you know, in, in Iran or in the Middle East, we uh, get, let me just give you a funny example. We get our meat, like fresh meat, and everything is mostly organic. And we marinate that meat for the longest time, like sometimes three or four days, and then we cook it. And it's amazing. It's like I've been marinated in this agony of knowing God since I was 12 years old. That doesn't mean I'm a, I was a great person or a good person. No. But... I was marinated in that agony, like you said, process. But I didn't know that was good for me, but it was good. And then I met your Jesus and my Jesus. Now I could sit in front of the camera in Dallas, Texas, and then millions of people could hear about our Father in heaven, which I was in agony of knowing, but I didn't know. I didn't have anybody to tell me. And now we have that opportunity through satellite. The founder of the satellite that we work for. It's in Dallas. He came to us and he had been praying every day for one year that we would meet because he saw the, the <clears throat> mostly the Holy Spirit, but he told us that there's two things that the spirit of Islam, which is fear, hatred, and violence. There's two things that the spirit of Islam cannot combat and it's worship and love, love and worship. And they don't have any grid for that. So it can imagine it just goes into, and also we're, it goes into the underground churches, which is the fastest growing church in the world right now, but it just goes into the normal homes and people get arrested into the homes of the Muslims. So there's, there is thousands a month coming to the Lord, not just through our satellite, but through, there's several satellites in the Middle East, four that are really doing the work of God. But the interesting thing is, this is the only satellite that is, actually teaching on the fruits and the power of the Holy Spirit. However, we've been meeting with the other ones now, and they're all, at first they said, we're not ready. And they're great. They're great. They do Bible teaching, excellent children's shows, and it's, it's fantastic. But now, you know, they said, we're not ready, but they're getting ready now. One of them just called. So we're looking at like spreading the, the news of the Holy Spirit into every home. One thing that happens in world missions and ha has happened for years is um, Americans or Europeans would go to like China and they would try to make the Chinese culture an American culture. They would tell the Chinese to cut off their pigtails, right. wear button down collared shirts. Now, I'm, I'm, go I'm good with that, but I mean, I'm an American. This is me. But the thing, so what happens is you can actually transport religion and in, in not really just the Lord and the thing I, that's I love what's about, happening. Yes, and so they're they're getting. To me, these people are legitimate. You know, they're authentic 
Cameron and, Cameron and Susie. And um, that's what people need. They don't just need the authentic Christ. It needs to come in an authentic way that doesn't have all the trappings and the religious um, uh, sort of stifling, musty-smelling uh, flavor to it. Else, who wants that? You know, that's so right. Uh, when you meet people that they have religion, they smell like religion. When you meet people that they have relationship with God, they're going to smell like relationship with God. And Muslim, they cannot be deceived because they, oh, are, no. they already have religion. And even when they get saved, they come in, they said, we want something that is real. And that's what, the, that, it's the cry of a lot of Muslims that we met here that they gave their heart to the Lord. They said, we want something that is real. When we were in Lebanon, we met with one of the biggest CEOs of the biggest satellite. I'm not going to mention any names. And we gave him our stuff. Well, Cameron was supposed to be giving him his, his YouTube videos of his Farsi program because we we're going to, we're going to translate everything into Arabic. We, I'm singing in Farsi and Arabic now. And, um, <laughs> he accidentally put my song dance. It, it will, it, people think it's Kim Walker's song dance. It's a song I wrote a long time ago. He put that on there, and I think Kimmy was on that before anybody knew her. She sang it with me, and um, he would. He goes, "I was up all night, you know. I couldn't stop. I was up all night, and I was looking at him. We were, we were sitting there eating the best food I ever had. It was in Lebanon. Sorry, honey. And um, not Persian, Lebanese is fine. And he said, "But we aren't ready." And I said to him, "That's okay. We get this a lot, but." You will be ready, and when you're ready, we're we're here. So for me, it's just so exciting, and I want to tell you, and about the music, if I have time, what's happening yeah, with the music. Yes. Okay, so um, of course I've been checking it all out. We've been to some conferences in Europe where they're training Persian worship leaders and Persian pastors, and so now we're going to start working with working specifically with underground church leaders and worship leaders as well through. Um, through the shows and through probably some phone calls, and then we're going to maybe do some conferences like in Turkey or Holland. They can all come secretly out and meet. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. I felt like my heart was really impressed that this is what something I've been doing for years, helping people find who they are, basically, and what, you, what your sound is. Like John Mark's very, very unique, and he is himself of what God wants him to be. And he's not afraid of it. But it's it's pioneering and it's hard sometimes. So I've been around. I've been in, worked with Congolese worship leaders just you, that have clicking when they sing. I've worked with, you won't, you won't believe, <laughs> all the way from a yodeler in Switzerland to a Congolese clicker. And I said, yodeling is good. <laughs> you know, I wish I could yodel. And um, so now the underground church is growing so fast. And, you know, the worship is... It's vineyard translations, which is great, and then Armenian from the Armenian church, and then, of course, some Bethel and Hill song, which is great. I love. And, um, but what about, if, has anyone heard Persian music? I mean, it's so fantastic. So now um, we've been speaking to the president of the um, satellite, and it was perfect timing. I said, hey, I, have it, I have it in my heart to do a documentary show of training some Persian worship leaders get some refugees because they're having to flee, get them on the show, get my friends who are fantastic, just impart to them like a documentary style, bring in Stephen Roach, Luke Skaggs, 
Leonard Jones, they all play Middle Eastern instruments. In fact, we brought one from Iran for, um, for Stephen. And, um, and he said he had already had a, like a dream about it. He was praying about it. And so we are going to do that real soon. I've contacted everybody and, um, we're going to, I believe, have an opportunity to shake the sound of the revolution by just telling them, do your sound. So we're going to write the songs on the show, bring in the beautiful ethnic sound. I want to mix the old folk Persian sound with the new. They like techno and stuff and just mix it and just bring it in and then let them take it and then release that into the underground church. I'm telling you, it's going to bring so much because the Holy Spirit's going to move. And so I feel like that my whole life led me to this moment. (laughs) And one other thing I'll tell you that the Lord showed me through studying the Persian kings in the Bible is they have been instrumental in releasing and setting free the Jewish people. And that's the Persian Empire, and that's Iran, and parts of Afghanistan, and anywhere where they speak Farsi, that's Persian. And the Lord showed me, I feel like my impressions are that the Iranian youth is being, they're coming in so fast to the kingdom, and they are already having to flee, and they're fleeing into the Arab Spring. And I believe they're going to bring Jesus into the Arab Spring and right into Israel. And again, the Persian destiny is not to blow up Israel, <laughs> but to bring the fire of Jesus there. They've done it twice. Yeah. One of the mottos of our own post office is from Cyrus, Persian king. And Dariush, who was Daniel's friend, when Daniel came out, Dar- Darius, it's Dariush, but Darius, he declared over the entire Middle East that we know today that our God will be acknowledged. Let let me put some context to actually what happened was Isaiah the prophet 400 years before Cyrus was born, he prophesied, called him by name that he would help Israel be restored to the land when at that point Israel had not evacuated the land. They hadn't been forced out. They hadn't been exiled yet. So Isaiah prophesies 400 years before the exile that a man named Cyrus, before the exile, he said in 400 years a man named Cyrus will arise and it tells what he will do. He will restore the temple. And it also describes how he would capture part of that world, which had to do with the, this river and the walls. But it's all right there in the book of Isaiah. And the historian Josephus, who was a contemporary of Jesus, said Cyrus did that because he read his name in Isaiah's prophecy. <laughs> and he was a pagan king. And he was Iranian, Iranian, Persian. Uh, I want to just say this quickly, if you have like a minute or two, I know you guys are hungry and just picturing food and just, I no, know. you I are. Know. Oh, maybe I am. I, I'm picturing some pizza. No, um, for some reason, I mean, when I got saved, I said, man, I can eat pepperoni. I used to tell people, I used to tell people, give me Jesus, Bible and pepperoni. Really? That's all I wanted to have. I'm sorry, Lord. I put him in. Yeah, but, but it was Jesus, Bible and pepperoni. But, but really, I, this is, I feel from the Lord. You know, some of you are sitting here. You know, I, was, I grew up as a Muslim. And Susie been around me for so long. And this whole thing could be heavy for you. And some of you may say, what do I do now? Do I need to go evangelize Muslim? Do I need to go do this? Do I need to go read something? What do I do? 
just relax, take a deep breath. If, if you, you feel that, I really feel the Lord is saying, only thing I want you to do now, just say yes and amen to what you heard. Like you said, Isaiah prophesied 400 years. That means it wasn't his like idea. This is a good idea. Let me prophesy. It was the Lord and then Isaiah prophesied and some people heard it and said yes and amen. This whole thing that is happening in the Middle East, you know, it was planned before the foundation of the earth. All we need to do today is just say yes and amen. If that makes sense. Yes, Lord, I see what you're doing in the Middle East. I may not go right now and talk to a Muslim, but I say yes and amen to what you're doing. That means you are agreeing with heaven, and that means a lot. Later on, then the Lord just shows you something. You see a Muslim or you go to a kebab store. Really, I mean it. And just if he said smile, because that was the first thing that got my attention. Then smile. You know, or sometimes like Susie said, you can ask them if the Lord leads you. Can I pray for your country? You're from Syria, right? Yes. Can I pray for your country? They will say, wait, wait, wait. Why do you want to pray for my country? Does that make sense? It's so easy. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. But today I really feel that say yes and amen to what we are doing in the Middle East. Say yes and amen to what the Lord is doing in the Middle East. And no pressure. Why don't we say that together if you really have that. Father, uh, based on all that we've heard today about the work you're doing uh, in the Middle East, we say... Yes, yes and, and amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive an offering for Kamran from Iran and Susie from Texas. That was a little funny. God, you, this is a tough audience. I'm not, I'm not. Am I in the right church, babies? Anyway, we want to receive an offering for them. If you would like to, if our ushers will prepare yourselves. If you would like an envelope, raise your hand and um, we'll be glad to give you that. You can go online and give that way. Just make a note that it was for uh, Cameron and Susie or however you want to identify them. And also, um, Cameron and Susie will be here this in the, in the, probably in the lobby or in the back with some cards that if you feel led to support them on a monthly basis, um, like I said, the church is, but I think they need a whole lot more. They're doing, they're doing television, Christian television in the Middle East. And I think it's very important that if we hear from the Lord about it, we should try to do something about it. So, Yeah, to be clear, we, um, we raise all the money and we pay for our programming. So, just so you know. And we do other things too. So that music, it's like $350 a show. And we like to do 60 to 80 shows a year. Yeah, a little more because you add the plane and the, you know, all that. So we, we want to do... He needs to do like 52 a year. His are 30 minutes. And I just need like 10 or 12. Mine are a little more involved. So we want to do it every year. And also we're adding dreams because they have dreams. No one's telling them. If you do get into a relationship with a Muslim or actually any other culture and you get into a relationship with them, that's a good conversation to bring up. Have you had any dreams that you might not understand, you know, that are spiritual and then learn how to help them? It's really something that almost all of them have had and no one has said 
once you get that going, that's just really good. Anyway, so we're going to do programs that help them understand their dreams. We're going to bring people like Robin. He doesn't know that yet. Um, we're going to bring a lot of our friends and ask them if they can do some shows with us because this opportunity is so big and they have never had teachings like we've had, especially when it involves people who really know, who have relationship with God and know the Holy Spirit, but also can teach from the Bible and from you know the scripture how to hear God. So we're going to start a lot of programs and um, the president is really ready and open and is giving us full free range to, uh, to do this. So. So their shows run about forty or fifty thousand dollars a year, and then yeah. they've got salaries and yes. all of that. So we're trying to really help them. Yeah, all of our budget, everything together, including that music, is fifteen thousand dollars a month. But we we are just seeking for partners that they can come in any amount that they want, you know. And yeah, yeah, I want to pray. I want to pray. So I want to, a couple more things, though. Just to be clear, because we know you guys, but a lot of these people might be new to you. Like I imagine there are not a lot of ways that this type of stuff gets into the culture there. No, this satellite's show, a miracle right now. Yeah, And this, I imagine that the satellite is, um, it's not something, uh, I imagine if it was cable or regular television, it would not go through. It wouldn't no, work. No, satellite's no. illegal too, but the yeah. governments can't stop and it. It's too late. And this is not through internet, because their internet is very slow. They can't really watch no, YouTube. Everybody, if you go to Google later on and put satellite in Iran, and you will see all the apartment, they have these big dishes, huge dishes, thousands. like thousands of them. And all you need to do to buy the dish, which is illegal, which 85% of the population, they have it, including my grandmother had it, right? <laughs> really. And they have it. And all these programs, they go, it's free. And the government cannot stop it because it's not through normal they try TV. They to stop it, but it's too late. Yeah. So just to be clear, this is one of the few ways that the gospel and this type of teaching and this type of thing can enter the country outside of just a miracle, a dream, or a vision. And some may say, well, I mean, why, why do I get involved? You know, I don't have heart for Muslim. It's not why do I have to get involved. We are part of the body of Christ, literally, and Christ is involved. Mm-hmm. And then we are involved. <laughs> Even if it's true, yes and amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's simple, isn't it? Yeah. We can't step outside Christ. When you're in him and he's in you, he, the guy is involved in a lot of things we don't want to be involved. <laughs> But he just drags you, you know, it's like because wherever I go, my hand has to go. Yeah. You know, I just even if it doesn't want, I'm going to drag my hand. It's going to go with me, you know. And, and you know, I don't want to go there. I know you don't want to, but we're going to go, you know. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know. One thing really strange that has been happening, I want to throw this out before we move on. Um, we felt like we had a, Cameron had a strong impression that people who came alongside us, that the treasuries, treasuries from of the Middle East would open up. We didn't really know quite what that meant, but we started getting. We just have like twenty five people on our team so far. The Malloys are on our team. <laughs> They're some of the first ones, and Robin, and um, they they have been seeing um, significant like a lot of our team members change in miracles in their finances and in their families. So something is happening there. Can't quite put. We can't quite explain it. But something's happening. God is doing something through this because he loves He loves the place where he sent his son on the earth. No, the Lord said, we give them Jesus, the beautiful one, and then we will receive Jesus, the bountiful one, you know, and the Lord was showing it to me. Again, there is a great exchange. You cannot give and not to receive. It's a great exchange. 
Why don't we stand and extend our hands? We're going to pray for the Urahis. I mean, I love, it's good. I, I love to have so many different last names and so many different first names. It's all good. Father, for Kamran, for Iran, Urahi, and Susie as well, we, uh, we extend our hands, we bless him. Lord, such a great thing, you, such an opportunity, Lord, for him to give back to the nation he came from in ways that could really start a grassroots revolution among um, millions of young, hopeless people who are stuck in a place they didn't choose yeah. to live. So, Father, we ask that um, your protection, your care, your provision, all of that would go with uh, Cameron and Susie. Uh, but we love them. Lord, we know you do, and we bless them this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Master and Lord, amen and amen. All right, they'll be yep. in the back. Take off. Have a great week. One last thing we have, uh, if you're interested in helping Cameron and Susie, you can go talk to them at their table out here afterwards, but also there's some information, some ways to give on this slide. If you've got to go or you've got to pick up your kids and you you want to help. And, um, and so the last thing I want to say is that, you know, the Lord doesn't need our money, but he loves us. And the Lord is doing awesome things here, and you can be a part of, of uh, what the Lord's doing in Iran. So anyway, go pick up your kids. Love you. <laughs> Give it up for Cameron and Susie one more time. <laughs>